welcome aboard Just Jets with your captain, Matt O'Leary. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 112. What is going on? I am Matt O'Leary, going to be hanging out with you, and we are doing a fun episode. Not that they're not always fun. They are always fun. But today I'm excited because it's NFL draft season, number one. And like we're 17 days out, 17, one, seven days away from the NFL draft. So I will be doing best case scenarios for the Jets in the draft. I'll be answering your voicemails. But of course, before all of that, a word from our sponsors over at Manscaped. Can we get a little round of applause? I'm excited to announce Manscaped has recently launched their ultra premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not so private parts. I'm talking about leveling up your hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for the everyday man and covers you literally from head to toe. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest, with the rest, excuse me. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with my code JETS20. That is J-E-T-S-2-0 for 20% off and free shipping. Get yourself something nice over at manscaped.com. Now, let's hop into what I think are the best case scenarios. And I am going to be focusing on mostly first round. It's kind of into the second round, too. Um, just because when you have four picks in the top 40, I think it's so incredibly important to hit on those picks because that could be really franchise defining. Um, and like anything else that happens after that is gravy. Like, obviously, we saw last year the Jets get pretty good value with some guys like Michael Carter, both Michael Carters. Um, Brandon Eccles, um, you know, they're able to get depth beyond the early rounds. But the, uh, this is just more of a focus on what happens at the top. And also, if you are for some reason living under a rock, just know that on NFL draft weekend, so Thursday, Friday and Saturday, I will be live streaming with Ryan from Jets Talk 24-7 on his channel and Green Bean. Um, it's a blast. This will be our third year doing it. The first two years were huge, obviously, but this year it's going to be bigger and better than ever. We have special guests on on day two and day three. So absolutely worthwhile to check out if you didn't know about it. So watch the NFL draft along with us. So what are the best case scenarios for the New York Jets? I'll give you a couple. Number one, KT falling to pick four. I think that is absolutely your best case scenario for what happens at pick four. And it's possible. I think there's a pretty high chance of that happening, actually. Like, if I had to guess today what is going to happen, uh, to me, Aiden Hutchinson feels like an absolute lock to go number one overall. At pick two, I would say uh, Kate, there's a chance that KT is the pick at pick two or pick three. But based on what we've been hearing, it feels like it is either going to be Trayvon Walker, Kyle Hamilton, or Malik Willis. And my gut is kind of telling me uh, Trayvon Walker. I wouldn't personally do that, but this is just what it seems to be the rumblings. If you're and if you're pulling apart and trying to read the tea leaves, um, it feels like that's the direction that they're going. So obviously there's a chance it could be KT, but I, if I had to rank what my guess would be, it would be Trayvon Walker, Kyle Hamilton, Malik Willis, and then KT after that. Uh, at pick three, that's another team, the Houston Texans, that could theoretically take an edge. But my guess would be Ikki Aquanu or Kyle Hamilton. I know that Laramie Tunsil is going to stay 
for the Houston Texans, but still, uh, if you're really trying to see what Davis Mills is, it's hard for me not to take the best offensive lineman available. Um, I could also see Lovey Smith wanting a player like Kyle Hamilton on that defense. Um, if he goes edge again, it wouldn't be 100% surprising, but I think best case scenario, it, you're looking at something like Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, Iki Aquanu as the first three picks, and then the New York Jets go, okay, we have a really good edge rusher there sitting for us right here at pick four. Now, I know that's to some some people don't want to touch him. Other people love KT. We'll see what the the Jets are obviously going to do their homework, and we'll see. But uh, I think from a talent perspective, it's very, very difficult for me to see the Jets passing up on you know, a player that they, they desperately need. Uh, they, they need help on the edge badly. They have for 15 years. And yes, you added Carl Lawson. He's coming back from injury, but you need more on the edge. And the best way to mitigate these good quarterbacks that you're going to have to play and these good offenses that you're going to have to play is get after the passer. And if the Jets are able to do that, then they'll stand half a chance uh, in these games. Number two, best case scenario, is the Falcons not going wide receiver at pick eight. Now, if it were up to me, if I'm the Atlanta Falcons, I would take a wide receiver. I would take Garrett Wilson. I think that would make the most sense for me as a, as a franchise here. But is there a world where they go defense? Yeah, absolutely. That unit has been atrocious. If for whatever reason, Kyle Hamilton is falling and he is there at pick eight, would it surprise you to see them take a player like that? I mean, they took Kyle Pitts fourth overall because he was a unicorn. Um, and they say, oh, yeah, we know the value of tight end isn't great, but like this is different. Well, OK, is is a safety? Does a safety fit that same bill? I would say yes. Um, could they go edge or anywhere on the defensive line? Like I've recently been listening to NFL Stock Exchange, which is a podcast from uh, PFF with uh, Trevor Sikama and Connor Rogers, and they're doing a guest mock draft series and the guy they brought on who covers the Atlanta Falcons, had them pick Jordan Davis. Um, I, I would be surprised if that happens, but is it out of the realm of possibility? No, I think they really need help on that defensive line. Um, they could theoretically look for another corner. I think, obviously, you know, you have a pretty good corner already, but another one in that mix, maybe. Um, so if they don't take a wide receiver, that means you, you pretty much know that Seattle is not going to take a wide receiver at pick nine. So that would leave the pick of the litter for you to take your favorite, whether it's uh, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Traylon Burks, whoever at pick 10, Jameson Williams, whoever the hell you want is that's available for you that right there at pick number 10. So it, it, interesting. And I think that's the route the Jets should go, by the way. I've made that pretty clear, my stance on why I think the Jets should go wide receiver in the first round and not wait till pick 35 to fill that need. Uh, number three is a bit of a two-parter, and it's that uh, guys like, I'll give you two as an example, Linderbaum and Dean start to fall. And the reason why is because there's a very small chance, but it, there is still a chance that one of them is going to be available at pick 35. Um, I think there's a, the back end to early first round, I feel like it's very fluid um, from about pick 20 to 40. I feel like there's a lot of interchangeable names. Um, so if one of those guys begin to fall and one's available at 35, Jets are happy. You're snatching one of those guys up. And I know people say, well, there's no chance this guy is there in the second round. But there's like... 
42 names where it's like this guy has no chance of being in the second round. And as you know, obviously, there's only 32 picks. Uh, so there are going to be some good players available at the top of the second round. And the Jets have two picks there. Um, and I think using one of those on like a Linderbaum or Dean would be interesting. Or with all your later round picks that you have, or not really later, but picks from round two and round five, you could create a package and move up for one of those guys. It would take, I don't know, a second and a third. You could probably get up to the late teens. Or if you want to go a second and a fourth, maybe early to mid-20s or late. No, second and fourth is probably late 20s. Uh, and a second and a third is probably like early 20s more so on value-wise. So, um, And you snag one of those guys. That's not the worst idea in the world. And then my last best case scenario is someone wanting to overpay to come up for a quarterback. Happens all the time. I know this quarterback class is not nearly as good as like last year's or uh, the presumed 2018 class, but if someone gets desperate, if Pittsburgh is desperate to come up for Malik Willis, if the Saints who made a trade to get more assets in this year's class want to get aggressive and come up and get a quarterback, um, it's entirely possible. And I don't know how strongly I feel about it happening at pick four. It could absolutely happen at pick 10. I think the only team you really have to worry about is there's a chance Detroit takes a quarterback. And I guess there's an outside chance Carolina takes a quarterback at six. Um, and then obviously you can move up from there. I don't see the Giants taking a quarterback. Um, I feel like the Giants are a move back candidate with their new GM and they have multiple picks and they are obviously going into the very beginning of the rebuilding stages. Um, so maybe the, so the Jets get someone who really wants to overpay for a quarterback. So my best case scenario is to run through them again is KT falling to four, bingo. Falcons not going wide receiver, another one. Linderbaum, Dean, players like that falling, and someone wanting to come up for a quarterback and paying a hefty price. I think those are your four best-case scenarios early for the New York Jets in the NFL draft. So without further ado, we're going to get into your voicemails now. Let's get it rolling. First up is Josh in Idaho. He is calling. He's a BYU fan, so wants to give some insight on Zach Wilson. All right, let's do it. Hey, this is Josh from Idaho, and I just wanted to talk a little bit today about Zach Wilson. So I'm actually a huge BYU fan, and I've been following the Jets since he got drafted. And everyone's saying he is a spoiled rich kid and that he doesn't work hard is just wrong. Uh, so I thought I'd give you guys some insight on Zach Wilson since I've been following him since he first was in college. Uh, I go to a lot of BYU games, and uh, when he came in uh, to college and started, it's kind of like the same thing he was like in the NFL. He, uh, everyone thought he was going to do good and then he struggled. Uh, he dealt with some injuries, but then the second year he blew up. He put in the work. He grinded. He did everything that was told for him to do and he did it. Don't be surprised if he makes the leap like he did in college into the NFL his second year. Uh, but that's all I have to say. Uh, first time calling in. Thank you. And go Jets. Josh, I really appreciate your insight because it's something that I, I agree with. I mean, if you look at his time at BYU, he did get better as time went on. He improved and he puts in that work. 
um, before the NFL draft, when the Jets were obviously looking at, they had picked two. So it was pretty obvious that it was going to be between Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. I interviewed two guys who cover both those individuals very closely. And for BYU, it was Jay Drew, who works for, I believe, Deseret News. And one of the things that he said was that he's a he's a film junkie. He's always in there working. His work ethic is awesome. But then another thing he said, like to go back on the, the spoiled rich kid thing. And I know I've said this story a million times, but he talks about Zach Wilson driving for either DoorDash or Uber Eats, one of those companies, in order to pay for his trips to California to for his quarterback clinics. So, like, I don't know. To me, that doesn't scream spoiled rich kid. Like, yes, he comes from money, but, like, I, I don't necessarily, like, I don't know. That, I, just, I think that was unfairly held against him last year. Um, and I and Josh, I, I hope you're right, because it would mean a, a lot for this franchise if Zach Wilson takes a significant step forward. And that's my expectation. I think he would take a step forward in year two. This team's better around him, and uh, it's important to continue to improve this team so that Zach Wilson could take those steps forward, which didn't happen with Sam Darnold. Some of that was on Sam Darnold, obviously, but some of it was also on the environment, which was the Jets did him absolutely no favors. Um, and, well, he's, he's barely hanging on in Carolina right now. Uh, let's go Rick in Staten Island. Hey, how you doing, man? How's everything, man? It's me and Rick on Staten Island again. I'm just calling in. I see the number again. I'm just like basically saying, I wish they could, I wish they would have signed more weapons for Zach Wilson. I mean, you sign tight ends, but we still need to score points down the field. We need we shouldn't have signed another safety. We should have signed another corner. You know, we have we need INTs. I don't know about Bryce Hall and Echoes and Carter. You know, and whoever the other guys that have played because they. I wish we would have signed Richard Sherman and Steven Nelson. So the thing is, man, you have to realize that if you want to win in this game, we don't want to keep failing, and, and and we don't win no games this year when the season get ready to start. You know, we only win seven games or four and not make the playoffs. You understand what I'm saying? So I wish they would at least sign, you know, got guys on the wide receiver or somebody else or sign Cole Beasley from the Bills since they got Jameson Crowder that went over from the Jets to the Bills. And I didn't understand why we didn't try to make a trade, but we don't want to give up all our draft picks because we don't have a sixth round and we don't have a seventh round. So we got to play with one through five, and I think that's it until 2023. And they should have kept Joe Flacco instead of trading back for him, and they need a backup um, quarterback, a veteran, somebody who could throw the ball, run, scramble, just in case Zach Wilson gets hurt again. He needs to get his weight up, and he needs to, you know, run the ball more, throw the ball, we need we need more than nine touchdowns. We have we have to we have a tough schedule ahead Agreed. of us this year, and I'm tired of seeing the same one just us getting blown out and not having thrown a ball deep or just it's not about just one guy. We need more. If you got to get rookie wide receivers to come in and help, do it. What they gonna do with Jeff Smith and Vincent Smith? This is the question I keep asking. Why is where is all these receivers going in Montgomery? Who are these guys? They are not getting enough playing time. And uh, did they get rid of Cle- um, Keelan Cole? So I hope that you listen to this message and you put it out there. But we need help. We need we need weapons. We haven't been throwing the ball since the 80s of Ken O'Brien, okay? We have to score points. We have to get down the field. We have to break on the ball. I see. I don't trust Bryce Hall and Echoes and Carter, okay? They shouldn't sign another veteran corner. If you want to get aggressive, you have to go out and sign guys. 
go out to Stephon Gilmore. Why didn't we get him? Why didn't we get Tyron Matthew? Why didn't why ain't we going after these guys? They get help out in the secondary. If we could put them on a goddamn Madden team, why can't we put them on a, um, in the in, in NFL? If we want to win games, how are we going to be able to cover? And then um, Tyreek Hill, he's going to kill us if we don't cover him and we don't go out and get any rookie corners that could try to um, hold him down. That's all I have to say about that, man. I will be calling back soon. Thank you. Very much so. Appreciate it. Um, there <laughs> A lot of a lot of changes you are asking for for this New York Jets team, and I think they will answer some of those in the NFL draft. Um, like a, a wide receiver, obviously, I think is is going to be a pressing need. Edge is going to be a pressing need, and you talked about how are you going to be able to cover all these wide receivers? Good question. I think the best answer to that is they are going to get after the passer. That's the Robert Sala mo. They don't necessarily put a hyper emphasis on the secondary because they focus so much on getting after the quarterback. So if you add another pass rusher in the top 10, you hope that would be an impact with Carl Lawson coming back. Um, and like some of the guys you listed off, I mean, they Richard Sherman's played like 10 games in the last two years. Um, and like there's no guarantee that these guys want, these veterans want to come here. They made a run at Chandler Jones. Obviously that didn't work out. Uh, but to me, it's all about how you pivot. Um, and like there's a chance that, you know, some more guys shake free closer towards training camp. Like the Jets signed Morgan Moses pretty late last year. If they have the cap space to add another signing like that, who's to say that they don't add uh, a veteran who either becomes available or who is, you know, still available. I think there's a good chance Keelan Cole comes back um, as depth. That wouldn't surprise me one bit. And I think they could continue to add. Um, but I don't think this offseason's far from over. So I don't think it's uh, it's a completed product just yet, but I understand the frustration of watching this bad team over and over and over again and wanting to see an improvement. I don't think you're off base on that part. I think the Jets have to take a significant step forward, and if you're right, if they win four games the next year, that's a significant failure. I don't want to hear about the tough schedule anymore. It's Everyone has a tough schedule these days. It's Every year it's, all oh, the Jets have the toughest schedule in the league. Win football games. Don't go defeated in your division every single year. Win some win some games. So, thank you, Rick. We're gonna go to Ben in Jersey. He wants to talk Jamison Williams. All right. What's up, Matt? It's Ben from Jersey. Um, recently the news came out that the Jets are working out Jamison Williams and someone who was the best receiver in the class until his stock fell a little bit with the ACL tear, but. Reports have said that he could be back sooner than later, which is a great thing. And honestly, I would not mind him, depending on if we know if he's going to be ready for the start of the season, I would not mind the pick. Because Jamison Williams would is worth the, is um, definitely the best receiver in the class. He is unbelievable speed. He would have killed the combine. I think so, too. um, I think so, Great after the catch. His route running is insane. And he has all the tools to be a wide receiver one. That is, honestly, I mean, I love Garrett Wilson, but um, Williams is the one guy who, like, I would really trust to be that superstar receiver in the NFL. I like, I mean, I like the other guys that they could be solid, like maybe twos, maybe... Some of them can turn out to be ones, but I am confident that Jamison Williams will be like an elite wide receiver in this league. The dude is just 
insane. Um, that's really all I, my thoughts for today. Um, before I um, before I um, end this um, voicemail, I just wanted to say that the next Sunday, not this coming Sunday, I think um, I think it's the seventeenth. I will actually be um, having my first podcast. I'm going to be oh, sick. doing a, a little bit of a mock draft with my buddy, and we're going to give our thoughts on the players and the picks and where they're going to go in the first round, possible trades if it happens. So if you would check it out, I'm going to leave. The, I might. I'm going to leave the link in the description to the next video. So if you would check it out, that would be great. Um, let me know your thoughts, and as always, go Jets. Yeah, I'd love to. Send the link over to me. I'd love to check it out. Um, with Jamison Williams, um, if he is healthy, that changes a lot. You're right. Uh, because he's a lot of people number a lot of people's number one. I, th- I guess I'm a little bit higher on some of these other guys. Like, I think Garrett Wilson could be a, a number one. Um, I think Traylon Burks could be. I like his skill set. I think it's really unique. Uh, Drake London is my fourth favorite receiver, um, but I think he there's a chance that he could be a number one, but they each provide something a little bit different. What Jamison Williams would give this offense, if healthy, would be a speed element, which you know they love, and the ability to take a top off the defense, which they don't really have right now. Who's that deep threat? Elijah Moore is not really a deep threat. I feel like he does his best work uh, on some of the underneath stuff, but if they had someone with elite level speed who can play on the outside or on the inside too, I mean, Jamison Williams could play all over the field. Um, I think that would be huge. And I think an addition, like uh, someone like him would be phenomenal. I'd be a little bit scared coming off that injury. I'm not going to lie to you because the jets haven't had much injury luck recently. So that would, that's a risk and that would scare the life out of me, but a healthy Jamison Williams would be phenomenal for this Jets offense. Nobody is going to deny that. That's that's for damn sure. Let's do Mike and Dallas up next. We got uh, an interesting draft conversation here. Let's do it. Hey, what's up, Matt? This is Mike from Dallas, Texas. And I got a question, bro. Do you think it would be stupid to draft KT at four? And if Sauce is gone at 10, get a receiver like Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave at 10? And then use those two picks in a second to draft up for Derek Stingley. Oh, I don't know. It sounds wild, but I just want to know what you think. So here's the thing. And thank you for the call, Mike. Derek Stingley scares me, but there is extreme talent there. Right? Like as a true freshman, as an 18 year old, he was downright dominant in the SEC. It doesn't happen very often. The issue is the last two years he's been hurt. He's missed a ton of time, and that's why he's corner two for me. If he's healthy, as good as Sauce is, Derek Stingley is probably cornerback number one if he's healthy the last two years, but he wasn't, and you have to factor that in. And a Liz Frank injury is not an easy thing to come back from. It ended Santonio Holmes' career at like 29 years old. or twenty. He was still in his 20s, and he was just done. He couldn't play anymore after that. It's a major, major risk, but the caveat is it's I'm much more willing to take that risk if I already have two first-round picks that I've used before that. If you have three first-rounders and your last one is a swing on Derek Stingley, okay, it's a little bit more palatable, but if you're, if you're trying to take that swing 
especially at four, which a lot of people had that early on, that was crazy to me. Even at 10, I think that would be extremely, extremely risky because of that injury history. But like profile, size, all that stuff, he checks every single box. It's just a matter of if he is going to stay healthy. If you are willing to take that risk, then okay. Package picks together, go up to, I don't know, he'd probably have to fall a little bit, but say, you know, trade up to 14 and take him. It's scary. I don't put that much emphasis on corner as a need for this team. I think Bryce Hall and Reed on the outside is more than okay. And I think that Michael Carter in the slot is fine. But if the Jets really did want a cornerback and did really want to move up for Derek Stingley, it's possible. And it's a lot more palatable with a third first round pick rather than using a top 10 pick on him. We're going to go and thank you, Mike. We're going to go blade in Idaho who wants to talk about some more draft stuff. All right, let's do it. Hey Matt, it's uh blade from Idaho. Again, I called in uh, a couple times now. Welcome back. Um, I was trying to catch you guys on, or you on the jets panel. Are you and green bean and Ryan? Yep. Uh, I had a super chat and uh, you guys, you had to write a post game or something. And, I was working, so I couldn't get it while you're on there. But anyway, I had a hot take about um, Sauce Gardner. Ooh, okay. In my opinion, and I mean, I wouldn't hate it if we took him. You, if we draft Sauce Gardner at four or ten, we should not have paid DJ Reed all that money because I think Bryce Hall and Carter and even Eccles off the bench um, deserve a chance. And I think with Robert Sala's defense. Uh, he doesn't prioritize corner You're right. as much as he does a D lineman. I would much rather go um, linebacker, safety, or wide receiver at 10 versus cornerback. And, of course, edge going four. But anyway, I just kind of had a hot take. I just hate paying DJ Reed all that money and drafting sauce. Uh, let me know what you think. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, I don't really think it's that hot of a take, to be honest with you, Blade. I agree. I think that it wouldn't have made sense if and I don't love for this team going corner that early to begin with. But if DJ Reed wasn't here, then that's it's a different conversation talking about Sauce Gardner. And like you said, I would not be upset if they drafted Sauce Gardner. He's too good of a player for me to be, quote unquote, upset about. But it's I, I think Bryce Hall is good enough to start for this team. And if you are drafting Sauce, then Bryce Hall is not starting because it's going to be Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed on the outside and Bryce Hall is in a slot corner. So it would be Bryce Hall and Brandon Eccles coming in off the bench where I think it should be Brandon Eccles coming in, rotating in as your fourth corner and Bryce Hall, DJ Reed on the outside starting. That's how I would do it. And like you said, I, I think Robert Sala, um, Jeff Ulbrich, they have shown how much that they think, you know, getting after the passer is the most important thing on this, on this unit on defense. So, um, I would agree. I think they definitely would look to add on the interior, or not on the interior, excuse me, on the on the front. So in the in the defensive line. Uh, also, I think linebacker is a sneaky big need for this team. I really hope they don't go into next year with Quincy Williams and CJ Mosley as the starting two linebackers. That would be scary um, because I think they showed last year they really struggled in coverage. So I would hope that they would draft someone relatively early like the second round seems like a sweet spot for that grab a, a muma grab nicobe dean if he falls grab leo chanel someone like that harris the linebacker from uh 
Alabama. Um, the linebacker from Georgia too. Not not the obviously not Nakobe Dean. The other one. His name's escaping me right now. Uh, but he's a riser. Maybe take him at thirty-five. But I agree. I think that's important. Let's do Lucas up next. He wants to talk about trading back and maybe getting a receiver. Okay, let's do it. Hey, Matt, it's Lucas calling from New Jersey. What up, dude? Um, I want to talk about a possible trade back we could do. Um, so I think we could trade uh, out of pick four um, and possibly trade back with a team like the Steelers at pick 20. I think that's uh, the team I would like the most to trade back with. Because um, I mean, you can still go edge at 10. I think Jermaine Johnson or Carlopas will be there at 10. And I'm happy with both of those guys. I like Johnson a little better, but I'm completely fine with both of those guys. And then at pick 20, well, I think it more depends on our trade with the Steelers. We could try and take Claypool off their hands. And if we get Claypool, then, you know, we don't have to go receiver. We can go a guy like Jacoby Dean or Devin Lloyd, I think, who will be at 20. And we're going right in front of the Patriots. So, and I, they're both on those guys. So it's kind of like a jab at them. But say we don't get Claypool, we still go Traylon Burks, Olave, um, or London if he falls to 20. And I think they – I think – at least Burks will be there, and I think Burks will fit perfectly in this offense. I really like Burks. What? Since I was taking him at 10, we can get him at 20 still. Um, so, yeah, let me know what you think about that, and uh, go Jets. And if you're moving back, and thank you so much for the call, Lucas. Appreciate it. If you're moving back from to 20, which is a long way, I hope you're getting another first next year, which is, I guess, entirely possible. Uh, I also look at a team like New Orleans who've made a, pick to, or made, uh, a trade to get another pick. Uh, as a team that might want to move up to take a quarterback. But yeah, like Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh and New Orleans, I think are the two teams that make the most sense that you can move back with. And like you said, uh, if you're not getting a receiver in that package, you're still in a good spot. Like, I feel like if you're somewhere in the top 20, there's going to be a good receiver available for you, uh, whether it's Jameson Williams or Chris Olave or Traylon Burke, someone like that. You can sell yourself on it, and you know if it's if you're trading back with the with the Saints, then you still you're having three picks in the first round, then you're gonna have two picks in the second round. Also, if you're trading with the Steelers, obviously you're still probably gonna only have two, but I'm imagining you're gonna get another second rounder and a first next year. So there's it's enticing. There's a lot of ways that Joe Douglas can go, uh, and I still think you can get a a pretty good receiver the thing that's scary i love carl Loftus. i am completely okay with taking him at 10 i don't know if jermaine johnson makes it that far i'm not sure he might go to i feel like atlanta is a sneaky place that could take an edge they might take him uh the seahawks could take him at nine i'm not saying it's impossible for johnson to make it to 10 of course there's a world where he can be there but i don't think it i don't think it's a lock that he is sitting there at pick 10 i feel like from eight to 13 is roughly his window where he can go. So yeah, I mean, obviously there's a chance then with that logic that he is available. Um, but I, I'm not sold that it's a, a lock. It's a sure thing. All right. Up next, we got Roland. He's calling from Jersey. He wants to talk about uh, a, a trade scenario. Hey Matt, this is Roland from Jersey city. Uh, just a trade idea. Uh, highly unlikely, but, I'll throw it in there anyways. Uh, for the most part, uh, I do believe that uh, Brandon Cooks is a reliable uh, wide receiver. I mean, a 1,000 a thousand yards per year for, what, six out of seven years or what have you. So, yes, I, I totally agree with you in that. And so uh, the idea of 
uh, trading with Houston, uh, the 10th, the 10th overall pick for their 13th pick, which is a difference of 250, which equates to approximately our 69th pick. So right there, you, you get, we trade 10th round pick, the, the 10th overall pick, mm-hmm. and we, to Houston, Houston gets, uh, and we get from Houston is the 13th pick and Debo. I'm sorry, and um, Brandon. Brandon Cooks. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah. give me your thoughts. And as, as always, go Jets. Appreciate the call. I think, Roland, you would have been on to something before the extension, uh, which I don't know the order of which the uh, the voicemail was left, if it was before the extension or not. But uh, I think, unfortunately, after Houston signed him, they want him to be a long-term part of their, their team, which I understand. He's a good receiver. Um, I think a lot of Jeff fans were very quick to put that one down, uh, which I don't exactly understand. He was extremely productive with uh, the Rams, with the Texans, with the Saints, and with the Patriots. So that's four spots. He had over a thousand yards. He did it, like I said, in six of his last seven seasons. There was one random year where he had like 500 yards with the Rams and Goff. But yeah, he had a thousand yard season with Davis Mills and Tyrod Taylor, with Deshaun Watson the year before, with uh, Goff, with uh, Brady, and with Drew Brees. Some of those quarterbacks are really damn good, obviously, as we know, but he was productive in a multitude of systems, and he's a he's a very good player, um, an underrated player, actually, I think. So I, w- I would have been on board with that before the extension. We'll close out with Matt from Jersey. He wants to talk about a trade-up scenario. Is that possible? Okay, let's do it. Hey, Matt. It's Matt from New Jersey. Um, I'm calling in to talk about a potential trade-up from four um, I don't really think get it seeing. I don't really see it getting talked about um, at all, really. But I think if Hutchinson, if, if either Jacksonville or Detroit take a player that isn't Hutchinson and Thibodeau, so a tackle, Trayvon Walker, okay. one of the, or someone other than Hutchinson or Thibodeau, I don't think it would be completely out of the question for a trade up to three with the Texans. Hmm. Um, Texans kind of need every position. They do. So they do. Uh, they're not really valuing an addresser as much as the Jets probably are. Um, so if they could trade back to four and pick up, you know, well, I don't, I don't know what the value would be, but a potential trade up with the Texans um, because Douglas has been trying to make the big swings. We tried Tyreek Hill. We tried, Chandler Jones, um, if DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, not Debo Samuel, but if one of the top receivers don't fall through the trade talks and we trade for him, I think Douglas is going to want to make a big move or at least be sure to get that stud player this offseason. And I think we might, he, I think he might be willing to trade up. So let me know what you think about the trade up option, the three. Um, and then maybe what the value, what the compensation would be. Um, but yeah, let me know what you think. Go Jets. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I would have a hard time. Like, so if Hutchinson's there, I feel like he's a no-brainer pick for the Texans. But um, it's it's possible that they'd want to move back. Like you said, they have a ton of needs. Um, 
It really depends on how the board falls. But let's say if they were to want to trade back, it would probably cost the Jets pick 38. Because um, you're looking at like a 400-point difference from pick four to pick three. It's uh, 2,200 versus 1,800. And pick 38 is a little over 500 in points. Uh, obviously, you probably have to pay a little bit of a tax to get up there, but you might be able to get another like later pick back in order to move up. So like, I don't know, maybe like a fifth or a sixth, let's say. Maybe they would do that. Maybe that's something that would work for both sides. It's like, okay, Houston move back one spot, get an additional second round pick in the top 40. Sure. Jets move up one spot to get their guy and then get a fifth or sixth round pick back, let's say. Okay, maybe they would do something like that. I don't know. But I think the point that Matt and most of these calls and myself have tried to made to make here is that Joe Douglas has a ton of options that he could do in the NFL draft. He could move up. He could move back. He could stay put. And you can make a strong case for each and every one of them, which is exciting to me. I can't wait for the NFL draft, man. It, it is the absolute best time of the year. So with that, that's going to do it on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, I am Matt O'Leary. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you get the show. I'll talk to you next time.